Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 327 on Wednesday, the 13th of May, 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where we've been chuckling at those in glass houses who've been throwing stones only for them to find out that it isn't so much fun when the tables are turned, we'll be discussing The Great Escape. We'll also be talking about how car showrooms will be able to operate soon, but wonder if anybody will be spending money. And then we look at the granddaddy of the crossover genre. But first, we talk about Carlos Ghosn. It's been a little while. Mm -hmm. And his miraculous, amazing, stupendous film-worthy escape from Japan, there has been a slight update, and that is that prosecutors in Turkey have charged seven people in connection with him going through Istanbul. There are four pilots and two flight attendants and an airline executive, all accused of helping him flee uh, to Lebanon via Istanbul. Also added on top of that, the Turkish airline company... (laughs) said, uh, this is MNG Jet, said that two of his aircraft had been used illegally and they filed criminal complaint over the incident. I imagine they kind of had to because otherwise they were going to be in trouble. arrested. <laughs> yes, yes. Especially over there at the moment. Mm. The, we have to remember that Carlos Ghosn decided that running away was better than staying there to try and fight his corner because he felt, and I'm quoting here, that the Japanese justice system was rigged and he also said that he was a hostage uh, in the country and his choice was either to die there or running away. Yep. There we go. More follow-up as well of a of a legal and, and criminal nature in that, do you remember the, the chap who got knocked over in... I think it's still the very edge of Northamptonshire or Oxfordshire, uh, Harry Dunn. Well, Interpol has issued a red notice for Anne Sekoulis, the US diplomat's wife who was charged last December over crashing into him by being on the wrong side of the road on on leaving. I've forgotten the name of the base now. I always forget it. The, the RAF base uh, down down at the bottom of the A43. So, so that means that she's she essentially it means diplomatic immunity no longer applies, and it comes when the U.S. has declined uh, an extradition request. Yes, I believe I saw an, another quote that said the Americans have refused this request, and that is the end of it, as far as they're concerned. She basically can't leave the U.S. now. No, she leaves the, the U.S. She can she can be arrested. Yes. Moving on, I talked about it in the introduction, but there it looks like car showrooms are going to be included in the non-essential retail businesses, which will be part of the stage two or step two, well, I can't remember which one it is, of easing of lockdown measures. Step two. Today is, today is step one, which is basically nothing really changes, but you can spend more time outside. And go to work. Oh, and... You can definitely go to work if you can't work from home. But if you can work from home, work from home. And yeah, 15 more minutes of waffle in circles. Yes. Uh, I've seen quite a few articles that then proceeded to say, from June the 1st, showrooms will open. No, no, no. We have to remember, this is if conditions are met, that the government has, has got up its sleeve that it says have to happen before we can go into step two. So... Mm-hmm. The earliest they will be able to open is from June the 1st, and they will have a a list of specific 
aspects uh, of which they will have to uh, or, or tasks they will have to undertake to make sure they're safe. They will also apparently I've seen in another article, not this one, which is AM online, but I've seen in, uh, in another article that they will actually be monitored by officials who will do uh, who will come in randomly to check that they are mm-hmm. still following the guidance on how to be safe. Having said that, right now, they are allowed to do a click and collect, but mm-hmm. they cannot open the doors of the showroom. No, I, so I was speaking to a to a car salesman yesterday because we because the day before lockdown, I'd signed a whole bunch of paperwork re- relating to a vehicle, uh, and then we couldn't collect it. Hmm. And then all of this stuff has happened in the meantime, and all the numbers are now wrong. So I had to re-sign all the paperwork, but that was them earlier this week, uh, even in Scotland, were they were doing the paperwork. They said, you can't come in. Nobody can come in. They said, we've got two two technicians for our whole workshop, and we're only doing key worker and NHS vehicles. Mm. Uh, he said, but we can get this kind of paperwork, we can get sorted out, because we ne- we're now finally in a position where we can can, can move on with this. So it's it's basically been sitting on their thing for two months. We've had a vaccine. Yeah, I mean, if they if they manage to 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 open, say June the first, let's say as fingers crossed, everything goes well. There isn't a spike in infections and all that sort of stuff that everyone's behaved now that in the small loosening that's been allowed. That I think there will be a little bit of a rush on the showrooms where the people the few people who want to buy a new car who haven't been able to will do so and those who've got them in the system will be trying to collect but mm-hmm. as as was announced today by Volkswagen they're shuttering their plant already because there is not the demand that we've been told for the last month or so by by insiders going oh everyone just wants to buy why can't we buy oh and it's like come on guys i mean i made a point of talking about Volkswagen the other week and and they're already having to, to dial it back a bit the thing is that if the dealers aren't back then it the dealers won't be making the you know won't be making the orders so there's a whole knock-on before then oh yeah yeah absolutely so it's it's not it's not necessarily untrue that oh, there are people out there to buy them. It's just that they can't get to the dealers to, to do it. It'll be curious maybe to find out what some of the... So some companies like Hyundai, for example, you, and Peugeot, you can order online. Mm. And it'll be interesting to see if, if that has an effect on their numbers or if people have just already decided what they want. And if they were going to buy a Hyundai, they'll, they'll buy a Hyundai. If they were going to buy a Volkswagen, they'll, they'll buy a Volkswagen when they can or a Jaguar when they can. Yeah. Because it's it's the figures. What what really hits all this is the figures of people who are claiming uh, support off the government. It's such a large number mm. that that is obviously going to impact the numbers of people who would have been if if none of this had cropped up, would have been now in the system or looking to buy or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, fingers crossed that, that, that it's going to be tough. Whatever happens, but fingers yeah. crossed it's. It's better than I fear it's going to be. Let's put it that way. Thankfully, most things are. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I've lost where we were. Autocars update. Well, I, well, we've covered most of this week's autocars uh, uh, additions to the autocar update. Lots of vehicle companies are, are back, 
back at work, some of them, uh, whether it's legal or not. But thankfully, that's outside this country. So, yeah, if you need to check out Autocar's long ticker, it's exactly the same link as we've been using. Uh, we've been using every other week, but it will be there in the show notes. Uh, and it is a great long log of everything day by day. Yep. And it, it's 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 really good as as I think I said last week. It'll it'll end up being a historical document. Yep, absolutely. Meanwhile, walking and cycling, Andrew. Yes, Transport Secretary Grant Shapps made an announcement on one of the briefings about how, with the virus being here, we now need to start thinking for when we are going back to work in whatever way that we can that we need to do more cycling and walking. Uh, we we can't use the public transport to the levels that we did, and we need to start considering the usage of, or, or the what mode of transport we use to get somewhere. And it's not so much, it's not necessarily just work as well. It's shopping, it's going to entertainment, it's all these kind of things. It's basically any time we're in built-up areas, where cars are not necessarily the best mode of transport. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I would also say that this is this is basically echoing what he'd said a few weeks ago that we covered. Mm-hmm. It is. It really is. Yeah. In that, it made it very clear that the government has decided that the motor car cannot be the primary mode of transport for this country moving decades forward, mm-hmm. that we have to find other ways to do things. Obviously the social media's people were choosing to misinterpret that as right it's anti-car they're trying they're now trying to force us to do things uh, that we shouldn't that we don't want to do but as i explained to a few people who then understood is like the government does fully understand how many people across this country use a car to get to work particularly those outside London, because that graph showed it, didn't it? It was between 70 and 80%, depending on the region, used a car to get to work because there was no alternative or the alternatives were not viable. Yeah, I mean, people forget that there are are many, many jobs that aren't in the major British conurbations, mostly London, and that there are people going everywhere. They don't always need their car. I think when it's shorter journeys, they don't need it. But some people do have to commute quite a distance. And, and they're areas that just aren't served by public transport anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And Grant Chaps made it clear. He was saying we have to start thinking. Not you will be doing this, but you have to start thinking, can you do it in an alternative way? And that's totally different from how people chose to understand that. But in certain places where people do travel to work by public transport, in large numbers like manchester like uh you know the major conurbations of manchester london Birmingham, many of these places then fewer and fewer people will be well more people will be will be end up deciding that if they have to go to work in in those areas then they probably don't want to take public transport so there have to be alternatives where people can be further apart but then not necessarily take up the entire space that the car does mm. all of the day so they're looking at introducing uh, cycleways uh, greater manchester wants to create 150 miles of protected cycle track transport for london is planning a bike tube network above the underground lines lots of stuff like that and, and that's really what the five billion in funding 
for cycling and buses. Yeah, it was all about, and that was announced in February. So that is when we were talking about it. Before. But there, there, it was also announced uh, an extra injection of cash of two hundred and fifty million, wasn't it, for pop up cycle lanes and quite how you have a pop up cycle lane? Was, mean, oh, I think well, what no, they mean it was to a say pop up. Was, it was a... Well, no, it was called pop up cycle lanes when it oh, should be really? temporary cycle lanes. Or oh, you mean confusing cycle lanes? Yes. <laughs> But because on that front, Liverpool announced yesterday they're uh, introducing 100 kilometres of, of extra cycle lanes uh, mm-hmm. in the Merseyside area. But uh, as part of the, the the alternative, you know, like these pop-up cycle lanes, closing roads as well is another thing that's going mm-hmm. that we've talked about previously. But they they sort of re-announced it or made it very clear that councils are going to have the power to close roads so people can uh, use the roads as a full cycle lane as opposed to uh, and and partly some in some places for so there's more pedestrian space yep, as well so it's easier for people to maintain social distancing which you i mean you can't argue with all this no but they, but they did talk about bringing in legislation or fast tracking legislation for e-scooters though didn't they alan yeah and i so so i've been thinking about this okay. so previously i have been very vocal on they're illegal you shouldn't use them they're terrible the thing and the trouble is that they're still illegal because I went off and I looked it up on the interwebs uh, in on the gov.uk, the very excellent gov.uk uh, website uh, as run. It used to be run by the cabinet office. I don't know if it still is. About what what, what was the difference between an electric bike and an e-scooter? Because electric bi- bikes are allowable. or electrically assi- And it turns out electrically assisted bikes are allowable. They are actually called electrically assisted pedal cycles. Uh, and the challenge with those is that you have to have the pedals mm. in the first place uh, and that they're only allowed to be assisted up to 15 and a half miles an hour and have a maximum output of 250 watts the trouble with e-scooters is that e-scooters in the uk at the minute aren't allowed on roads well they're not allowed because they're a motorized vehicle they're not allowed on pavements Okay, which is fine. I, I hopefully people realize that that's a good thing. And anyone who's been anywhere in the world where e-scooters are allowed on pavements will understand just what a flipping nightmare they can be. But it's not the scooters; it's the kind of people who decide to ride the scooters on the pavements. If you know what I'm getting at, then so chances they don't fit that. What they are actually is a. I've got the term here. They are a low-powered moped. And the challenge is that they need lights in various places uh, and they need a speedo and some other stuff. need a horn as well. So the lights, and the trouble is really the back ones. So they need indicators. They need them. The rear lights have to be a minimum of 250 millimeters and a maximum of 1,500, I think it was, uh, above above the road. And that's really the problem is none of them have a high enough bomb on them to be able to to do that kind of stuff and to put that in place so there's going to have to be some changes to traffic laws and i've always grumbled about them and i realized that there were two ways that 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 they could be reasonable one is make it so that they are allowed in cycle lanes and kind of on roads and the other one is that they have a designated parking area Mm. because half the problem with e-scooters uh, which I've I've come across to travel around is that they just get abandoned. Yeah, and they're like those, you know, like some of the the bikes from Uber and some of those other 
startup bike companies which are losing humongous amounts of money because people just chuck them in the Thames. And... They need docking bays, but then that sort sort of removes their... You, you don't even just need docking bays. You need somewhere, you know, they're only allowed to be parked in bike parky or, or scooter parky areas. Because when someone leaves one of those out especially the scooters to be honest it's quite easy to not really notice the handles poking up and of course then they've got this flat bit which is a fantastic trip hazard Mm. and they just make the place as untidy as heck but i can see with what's coming along that now is the time for some of this urban mobility to really shine here in the uk and whether it's people's own or whether it's uh, Lime or any of these these companies, then that's to be seen. But the other thing I've been thinking about is that this is becoming the time for the Renault Twizy. This is the time for the Renault Twizy to shine. It's but more that takes com- up virtually the same amount it, of space. It on doesn't. The yeah, but it doesn't take up the same amount of space to park or any of these, and it doesn't really take up the same amount of space on the road because it's very very short. Okay, very similar width. Could almost make them lame. Of course, they're not the same length as a Bentley, but <laughs> but that's not really an issue. But it really is. It, it's it's still smaller than a car, and yet it's it's practical. Or there's some of the um, what are the? Oh, I have now had a mental blank. I knew all this yesterday because I've gone and looked it up. The the Toyota the Toyota concept mm. sort of personal transportation pod things that stand up and recline and, and things. Then this is this is the time for that kind of thing. The Twizy, you're right, is probably a bit big. But it really is the time for some of these personal transportation pods to really get a kick on. For me, what I hope but I doubt will happen because I think we're going to rush into doing things. But I would like to see that certain personal mobility things are used in specific areas Uh, and not just go yep free for all any of these can be used anywhere i i think that will cause a lot more problems in a very local localized personal area rather than you know all the air (laughs) you know it'll fix all the air but then people will be tripping over there'll be mess and all that stuff i'm not just saying just just have it the free-for-all that it is in some places i would like a little bit more control around just something just we're lucky that we're not the first this is one of these few times in the uk that we're not the first to do stuff yeah we should take this uh, this opportunity to put the legislation in place which lessens the irritations which pop up Mm. in other places Switzerland, for example, in Zurich, you're allowed the little that the, they've got the the Lime and Zoom, I think they are, e scooters. And the thing is that it it kind of works because the national psyche, apart from like riding on pavements and through pedestrian areas like a Twazak, is that people leave things in a neat position. They don't just abandon them across the pavements. Whereas you go to other countries or other cities, Milan. Uh, where there is a far more of a, a the, where the people aren't as naturally stereotypically tidy, and there does tend to be, you know, the the the, the parking of the scooters is like the parking of the cars, and so I, I do think that that if we can sort of stop that kind of thing and and make it not hard to leave them, but just make the rules so that they just can't be 
somebody is responsible for them being in the middle of a flipping pavement, yeah, yeah. then that would um, then that would be good. Yeah, ho- hopefully they hopefully they do something sensible, and, and because otherwise they'll just get the haters hating it, and people will reject it, and in the end they'll just go back to right, we're going to use a car. So just just to to the TLDR on on all of that is I've done a U turn on whether or not e scooters are a good idea. Yes, I think it, 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 the answer is depends. It depends. Well, I'm a consultant. Yeah, that's all we do. Right. Well, just right. just Wales, a quick one. On. A quick one. Thanks to Daniel Podicum who passed this my way. But Wales are also doing something similar. However, uh, there'll be a, sh- uh, a link in the show notes to the uh, article from uh, the Welsh Assembly. Uh, but they are asking the initial expressions of interest to be submitted by the 21st of May. Uh, and they're talking about road closures, lane closures, like we talked about, 20 mile an hour limits, footway widening, all that sort of stuff. And so it it's looking like it's going to happen across different places because that, that was, that was, sorry, there was one thing I, I meant to mention with the showrooms. I couldn't see whether the lockdown measures for Scotland and Wales were going to follow England because those June the first ones are England only. Uh, I, <clears throat> well, of course, you can't see it because because Nicola and her cronies have made it up and have have hidden it from anyone south of the border in case they steal it. But but what I'm saying is it's it's an England only at the moment, and we'll have to see whether it is mirrored or followed in wales and scotland yeah i mean the dealership i was speaking to is in scotland if that helps earlier on mm-hmm. he says making sure they don't get in trouble yeah first part done <laughs> oh gosh it is that was quicker than i expected somehow folks uh, as you've noticed right at the moment uh we've paused our patron uh until the end of this month and i've checked that i have done it because i couldn't remember if i had or not because there's so much uncertainty right around at the moment, uh, we decided and we said that, that supporting two blokes talking about cars still doesn't really feel hugely important. And so what we've been encouraging you to do and uh, continue to encourage you to do uh, is if you have cash burning a hole in your pocket, then please donate the amount you would have given us to a charity that's relevant to you. And it was nice to get uh, a couple of messages uh, so far from people saying we really like that you've done that here's who we've given our money to instead which was kind of cool and, oh, and nice quite nice and i'm so glad it's, it's thank yeah. you for doing that it's working the way we're doing we're hoping if you'd like to join those 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 nice people and you're stuck as to who you would like to donate to then we will recommend uh, mission motorsports covid19 response fund uh, mission motorsports trying to put in place the framework they need to support all their beneficiaries remotely and to enable the community and camaraderie uh, that they foster so well in person to take a place online there's a link in our show notes that you can use to find out more and uh, ultimately to donate mm-hmm. wrc well it's sort of wrc it's the fact that australia's national governing body has created a blueprint for how they feel they can get back into running motorsport and international motorsport on in their on their shores uh, it's it's a document called return to race and the president andrew papadopoulos discussed it uh, the other day uh, and they're basically saying look here we go here's here's a are how we think it can be done. Here's some guidelines and you know the frameworks and all these other buzzwords that everybody likes to use in these things when basically it's a here's here's how we're gonna do it. 
and they are putting it out to other countries and saying, we think this will work. You should have a look, and it will probably work in your country as well. So um, because of the way motorsport is generally, it's not an indoor thing. Generally, <laughs> it's usually quite a quite a large expanse. However, you are funneling a lot of people through small gaps, etc. So mm-hmm. that has to be managed a bit more. But when it comes to rally, it's making sure people keep separated. It's it's your car parks and your toilets and places like that where they are going to get closer than you'd hope. They take place over, um, you know, rallies take place over such a huge over such a huge area that you you can't police it all properly no. you just you just can't it's the very nature of rallying and and i think as as time moves on and more is discovered and known and understood about the virus we'll get a better feeling of whether being outside is actually okay or whether there are studies come in and go oh no we can't even be standing two meters apart even in the big outside with the wind howling through we don't know yet because we we, there's so much of this is unknown but at Mm -hmm. least people have sat down and tried to look at it and try to be as safe as possible um so so hopefully it's something you know we can get back to having having actual motorsport because i know there's there's plenty out there that whilst for 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 many the esports is fun it's not this it's nowhere near the same as the actual sports themselves and that's what they're really really missing it isn't well it's it, you know esports is great and it's it, it's a great replacement for watching it on telly done well it's it's good done badly it's not it's it's not yes you're you're right uh, but it's it's a good it, it can be in many it's, it's in, filling many a cases. void at the moment yeah but it's not the same as being there is what i'm trying to say no no absolutely not yeah yeah this weekend coming up, there is a classic car show. Mm. And it's not even an e-classic car show. So it's called Revs Limiter, and it is a an online virtual car show. And it's been it has been organized by uh, a chap called Adam Gompertz. Now, some of you who are on Twitter will know him from I think he's just he's changed his Twitter handle, but he is he's at Revs Event and Art as a result of this. But he's a former uh, former car designer who is now who is now the the chaplain at Bista Heritage. Yeah, we saw him at uh, Race Remembrance. We did, and went. But oh, I, I know I who that was, and then to didn't to actually say to him to say hello and things. <laughs> But but he's he's arranged so it's it's uh, it's called Revs Limiter. Most of the action uh, will be taking place via the event's Facebook page, where between ten and four p.m. each day next weekend, this coming weekend, uh, there will then there'll be videos and chats with a range of expert guests, including McLaren F1 Lotus, a land designer, Peter Stevens. Yay. Journalists Steve Cropley and Matt Pryor from Autocar. And also Salvage Hunters Classic Cars presenter Paul Cowland. How he got in there amongst those luminaries, I, I just TV's don't know. Paul, Paul Cowland as well. Yes. You, mis- you Sorry, mispronounced yes. his name there. I, I did, I did. Television's Paul Cowland. Uh, got in there, I, I just just don't know. But no, uh, that it, that should be interesting. should be well worth looking by for anyway. It should be, should be good. Yeah. 
It'd be yeah. nice. And fantastic guests. Yeah, absolutely. Even Paul. <laughs> who's lovely. Stop stop you you you've, you've so dug good. too deep, Alan. He's <laughs> My ladder is no longer deep, long enough to reach you at the bottom of this hole. Look, it's we're recording this on Wednesday night. It is just before 9pm. I should be sitting downstairs ready to watch Salvage Hunter's classic cars. But it's finished. And make fun live. Is it 8 o'clock? No, it's finished. It was, the series is finished. No, it's not. It's on tonight. The, he's on is tonight it? at 9 with oh. Pop Band Colour. Oh. On Instagram. Oh, okay. So, no, no, The oh. Beetle was the last of the series. Oh, oh! I feel slightly robbed. Yes, I, I, oh, I feel it's not long enough because it's not on every single week. Yes, yes. But on the other hand, I, I don't feel so bad about recording this now then, to be honest. Good. That was my number one concern. <laughs> so, so, oh, no. That's the only TV show I watch every week. Right, moving on to the lunchtime read. And it is from friend of the show, Gavin Braithwaite-Smith. And he's put, and it's on motor research this time, and it's an ode to the Matra Rancho. Woohoo! Woo! We are of an age in our early to sometime in our forties, doting, uh, doting age, where the <laughs> where the where the Matra Rancho when we were kids just seemed really cool, and we na- and radical and radical as well. So. For those of you who don't know what a Matra Rancho is, the French company, uh, it was actually Simcoe. It was all part of Chrysler Europe at the time. Mm. Then they had a, a van and a pickup and a, a little hatchback based off the same the, the, the same body. And what they did was they, they essentially took the van and said, we want to make this more lifestyle. So they changed the back half of the cabin to be still kind of upright but with big windows in the sides that went right up and had a cool step and a sort of roof racky bit at the front and they added cladding now this might sound like a familiar recipe these days but in the very early 1980s this was completely novel yeah which and that's the stupid thing is it displeases people a lot when this happens nowadays Mm. But but somehow the Matra Rancho is is still a cool crossover, and it was still only ever front wheel drive, and it was and it wasn't particularly jacked up or anything like yeah. that. So you know, I I think this is where our fondness for a slightly jacked up estate or a normal yeah, car with from. cladding on it, we are a lot more forgiving, yeah. you and I, than say a full on SUV that has has had similar treatment but just happens to be a slightly different shape or yeah height. agreed uh, and it, it just kind of worked and and they seemed bit well they seemed big when i was about five but nowadays they're, they're just tiny they're they're like a, a golf size really yeah. aren't they and skinnier as well uh, but they're so cool so gav has written a really cool piece about it uh, about how it's a, a pioneer and the whole history and backstory and and all sorts of stuff like that yep uh, the ones to have of course were definitely the ones at the top of the range with the extra spotlights yep. uh, at the top of the at the bottom of the a pillars but they're really cool if you don't know what i'm talking about then go read it if you do know what i'm talking about then go be all swoony and enjoy your memories yep our list of the week is from michael banofsky and it's a bit of an older one that's off petrolicious but six unbelievable rule-bending stories from Rally, and they are actually amazing. 
Well, no, I'm not going to run through them because you need to go and read these. But the first one alone, I didn't, I didn't know this story, and I should have done, but I did not know this story, <laughs> and it's just amazing. So please do go through the list because they talk about the 1985 Peugeot 205 as well, uh, and there are others. It's, people hate it when we go through every single element of a list. So I'm not. Yeah, when the list is only six long, but it's worth a read. Yeah, the, these are very good and. It gives you a chance to fawn over some stunningly lovely rally cars as well, to be fair. I'm always a, a, a Mike doesn't write as much as he used to on the internet. Uh, I'm always a sucker for his work because it's he's a bit he's a bit like a, a sort of Canadian major gav in a way, mm. in that his stuff is always a little bit left field and always really interesting. Yeah. He he was the first mug to publish any of my stuff on the internet. So other than in web forums. So. The soft spot for Mike. Mm-hmm. Sometime I'm over visiting Martin Uncle, I shall go and um, buy him a drink. That's a good thing to do. Right, take us to the end finally. Go on. Okay, so there's a list out there uh, on the BBC website of the faded beauty of abandoned cars across Europe and the US. Uh, and it is photographs of abandoned cars. They're kind of cool. They're kind of fun in a way. They are a little bit over HDR'd for my liking. There's, there's, it's a mix, isn't it? It's a mix it, of tragedy. It really is a mix. And, and I feel that some of them in particular are completely stunning as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like... Um, oh, it doesn't actually tell me what it is. Is it the big red one, Coupe? It is yes. the big red one sitting in the field Yes, American um, with, on the plane. A two-door massive coupe thingy. Yeah, uh, that it, it, it's just that, probably a Pontiac. You know what it reminded me of a little bit. It reminded me a little bit of Justin Layton's photo. Some of them, where his he finds this stunning landscape, and there happens to be a car in it. Yeah, and, and that, some that of picture these is very much that are, are very much down that that ilk because there's. And his favourite, the the the, um, uh, the photographer's favourite, is the pink Cadillac. Uh, sorry, the pink Dodge uh, from Montana. And I think part of that is because of the story he was told behind it, mm-hmm. because it's it's, a, it's basically a museum piece now. Because the person just left it there and that was it. They haven't touched it since it parked there. But also because it, he just happened to be in the right place at the right time for the the light to do what it did. Yeah. No, they're, they're cool. They're, go have a little look. It, it's only about a minute or two of your time. Yeah, I think these are all part of a book, are they? Because it says at the bottom, Lost Wheels is published by yes. Team News. But that very last photograph, I think, is gorgeous as well. Yes, sort of Austin's in the midst, on in the mist. Yeah. Type of thing. That's I Yeah, yeah, the Saab there in the middle. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So do go and have a look at this because it is it is really very nice. So well worth a couple of minutes of your time on that one. Yeah. Parish notes. Special edition this Friday? Yep. As long as there's no other disaster drama. Yes. Nonsense in my household. <clears throat> so that yes, there should be so there should be a proper I was going to say a proper special edition. That sounds bad. Uh but a a, a road test special edition. Twin test. Twin Not test. Just any old road test. Yeah, if you didn't see the Zoom Zoomers from this Monday, then we had a guest, not a very good guest. 
Guest was awesome. Just Guest ruined your right. Monday, though. <laughs> Adequate. <laughs> ruined your Monday because you thought you'd managed to escape for another day, but no. Well, that's right. But no, I turned up to say hello. Yeah, well, you've had your come up and since. Uh, so, yeah, so Andrew was a guest on Zoom Zoomers uh, this uh, Monday past. We'll be doing that again. And we, we I will be doing it uh, along with the rest of the, re- the, rest of the folk uh, on uh, next Monday. Yep. Don't forget, now's a good time to, if you've got gaps in your podcast listening, why not go back and listen to some of the back catalogue of review episodes. Episode 30 with Natalie McGloin is well worth a listen. She is a truly inspirational and lovely lady. Yes. Yeah, and if you have uh, any, speaking of review, if you have anybody that you'd really like Andrew to speak to, I think any of the people appearing in the, the Revs event might be might be be worthwhile mm-hmm. uh, mr cowland has been covered already but mrs cropley and bert and stevens particularly mr stevens would be really interesting to me yes they, they are on my list but the uh, the list of badgering has opened and some badgering has taken place could could if people could back me up that would be good because a vote from you is worth 10 votes from me it's just noise from alan yeah quite <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I think that does us for this week. I think it does. Cool. So don't forget, between now and next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Ladies, and don't forget about our Patreon uh, and what's happening at the moment with uh, donating to appropriate charities. As I, say, as I said, uh, link to the Mission Motorsport COVID-19 fund is in our show notes. Uh, If you can, though, uh, and you haven't already, please leave a review and rate you on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me. So, Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you personally, what's the best way for them to do that? To get in touch with me personally, it's best to use Twitter, or I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back soon, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe staying at home. <laughs>